Hey everyone, this is Kara Bartek and I'm here with Rebecca Nisko. And this is the podcast Imperfect. Rebecca's dying of laughter. She hates it. She hates this intro. She absolutely can't. She just really fell apart on me. She really was like, Kara, you're such an idiot. <laughs> okay, welcome, though, but we welcome you. But because we welcome you. Have- <laughs> Today we have a great episode. There's a heat care, wave. We have to get through it. I know, I know, I know. There's yeah. a heat wave in London. We are literally dying. I'm fine. I'm chilling here. <laughs> right, because you. <laughs> um. Today we spoke to my good friend Ali Cutris, who is a pianist based in London. He's currently at the Royal College of Music, about to graduate in July. And yeah, we spoke to him about a whole lot of things about being a classical musician. And I think a lot of people will be able to learn a lot from this conversation and his insight. And yeah, yeah. and maybe relate to process because I think there's a big deal made about like how your process has to be. When in reality, I think a lot of us just act and, and, and create and don't think so much about it. So yeah, yeah, I think it's a great episode. And without further ado, we hope you enjoy. Okay, so what we would love for you to do is just introduce yourself, who you are, what you do, where you're based, and anything else that you find relevant in your introduction. <laughs> okay, so hello everyone. Um, my name's uh, my name's Ollie Cutrus. Uh, I'm a, a pianist first and foremost, um, and I, I'm currently studying at the Royal College of Music in London, um, based further down south, not far from Brighton in the UK. Um, if, if anyone's kind of familiar with that neck of the woods. Um, I also faff about with oboe and electric guitar, but kind of no one really knows about that. <laughs> Until just now, lol. <laughs> we should talk um, about I don't really that. do what? an awful lot with those. So, so piano by trade. And that's kind of where I'm, where I'm looking to, you know, con- continue the path, I suppose. Doing what I don't know. Um, yes, manning it along the way for the time being. Yeah, utter respect. <laughs> I feel like, especially after this last year, I think a lot of us are, a lot of artists, I should say, I think are maybe more comfortable than before with just like taking what comes and going with what is thrown at you and just chugging along, you know? I think yeah. it's um, it's it's definitely, it's both a mindset thing, but it's also a kind mm-hmm. of, well, it's it's what you have within your within your kind of talent bank, I suppose. Um, okay. uh, speaking as, as a pianist, at least I know, for instance, I'm, I'm pretty versatile in what I do. Um, I'm, I'm doing a solo course at the moment, but I'm also very keen on doing accompaniment. And, and to be honest, anything people throw my way. Um, and I'm more than happy to do that. I think it's surprising to me, really, that so many people don't seem to do that. And I don't know whether or not it's because, you know, they have their focuses, which is fair enough. Um, but I certainly know people, you know, past and, and present who, really just can't they don't have the knack um, Mm -hmm. and I can't really explain that (laughs) so great way to kick off just kind of tooting my own horn straight off there (laughs) I'm not actually like this in real life it's just this is exactly how you are in real life but I honestly it's nice to have to have confidence and and like know what you're good at that's like very 
you know, that's a good thing to have. It's a good skill to have. I, I think so. And to be fair, I am kind of middle-aged now, so I suppose I should be honing that. Um, Stop. <laughs> you're not middle-aged. <laughs> um, I'm, uh, I'm mid- middle-aged. Uh, <laughs> you're not middle-aged. <laughs> so, oh, thank um, you so much. Keep the compliments coming. I'm loving it. <laughs> yeah, just let me feed your ego over here. Um, <laughs> so when did you start playing pan- uh, piano? <clears throat> Um, you also, like you said, play oboe and bass guitar. So what it is about piano? Bass guitar, like? electric guitar, but I guess they're kind of interchangeable. Oh, so and also, sorry. <laughs> and, and also that's kind of the, the, the lesser instrument. So I don't know why I brought that up. But anyway, um, piano. So, um, I, well, actually I started oboe first off. Um, I started both oboe and piano when I was nine. I was in year wow. five. Um, and I started oboe because of, um, uh, you know, I, I don't know what it's like in, in the States, but, um, the the music service for instance had you know they have all their teachers and, and basically just one of them came and did like a sample um session in uh primary school just played some stuff just trying to gauge interest basically um and of course you know i i choose to pick the most expensive instrument <laughs> at that age but yeah no I, I listened to this this teacher play and i thought yeah that sounds pretty cool so went home spoke to my parents and uh, yeah, we, we started off with oboe. Um, my mum's 40th birthday came a few months after that. Um, and she just wanted a piano. Uh, I can't remember exactly why. Um, or Because we don't really have a, a big family history of, of musicianship, to be honest. But she said, you know, she, she wanted a piano for her 40th. So she got an, an upright, which we still actually have to this day. Um, and she got lessons for her, me and my brother. And ultimately, I was kind of the only one who who kept it up seriously, I, I suppose. Wow. That's a long time to, to play piano from that age. And did you start, you started around the same time or was it immediately, like like you played oboe for a while and then started piano or it was just like... Oh, I mean, the, it was a mass, matter of months. Okay, matter of months. See, see, so yeah. really it was, you know, started off around about the same time. Mm-hmm. And what about piano? Is it that like drew to that you drew wait how did I phrase <laughs> what is it about piano that you liked more or, or that 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 you were drawn to more mm. over the other okay well here's the thing is that I'm profoundly lazy uh and so to have an instrument which is literally waiting gagging for you to sit down and start playing it that was fine by me but with oboe particularly when you're young as well I mean uh I mean do you play any kind of woodwind or, or any kind of instrument that is and just, just sit down right in front of you I, I play the I, I I poorly can manage my way through a piano. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> I'm embarrassed like, in front of Rebecca and you to even say that. Like I, it's really <laughs> pathetic. <laughs> uh, we'll sit you down at the end of this podcast and we'll get you playing chopsticks or something. <laughs> like, did you um, manage, did you yeah. play anything else? Remind me. Me? Um, I played yeah. no. I didn't play any wood instruments. I played violin. For wood instrument. <laughs> <laughs> the technical term, of course. Um, yeah, no. It's just like, when you when you're that age. Well, firstly, you kind of don't know how to tune and do all this kind of stuff that you have to do anyway, but it was getting the box out, um, you know, assembling it, making sure all the pieces are aligned, soaking the reed with the oboe as well, of course, making sure the reed was fine. Um, it was it was long, and, and I did well with it, to be fair, and I did like it, but it was just the process where this piano, it's just, it's easy to, to go and do. Um, and I've kind of maintained that mindset to this day, to be honest. I remember last year when we had lockdown, and uh, people have been naughty in the practice rooms and left snotty tissues on them. 
and they added an extra process involved to get the rooms out to practice and that just sent me off i was like i can't, can't be bothered anymore so if you add one thing that i need to do it will it will wipe me out but um that's what i like about it. and also guitar as well piano and guitar they're just there they're, they're waiting for you to play them um and i think I, I don't think that was the reason i preferred piano but it was certainly an, an asset mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. how musical am i jeez <laughs> <That's like it. laughs> um <clears throat> you are probably like one of the most collaborative people i've ever met um you do a lot of work accompanying you know people and everything so what do you love about collaborating and what do you feel like your role as the pianist is in those relationships well you know well, i do what i can don't i um well i mean there's, there's kind of two two different ways to, to to approach that and then two different points um in terms of actually collaborating um i yeah i mean i, I do it because i love doing it um, I, you know, I'd also say I'm, I'm not particularly bad at it, hence why I'm still doing it to this day. Um, I feel like it's, it's a very, it's a very broad subject, actually, the whole idea of collaboration, because I kind of touched earlier on how there are some people who just kind of don't understand the, the mentality that you need. And I couldn't really explain to you what the mentality is, but I think a lot of it is kind of a, a sympathetic approach you need to, because obviously you need to be listening out for what you're you know your ensemble or your your duo partner is doing um to to be able to follow them and there's plenty of pieces where the piano and the solo instrument have equal roles but a lot of the time it is accompaniment by name and accompaniment by nature um and i just it's it's something i've always been very aware of um and something i've always kind of clocked i don't know how how much it actually ties into kind of general personality traits i think that'd be really interesting to to look into um but yeah, I've I've always you know I've always had that within me, I guess, and I've just just been kind of ever honing it. Um, can you remind me the second part of your question? Because I'm getting old as hell. I can't remember what you said. <laughs> yeah, I said um, oh, the role, wasn't it? It was the role. Yeah, but I but, think I but, kind of explained it there as well. And it, it kind of really depends on the piece. Um, certainly in in the kind of more romantic and and beyond periods of classical music when piano is really kind of coming into its own, that there's far more pieces where the piano takes on a far more prominent role um, than, than it would have done, for instance, in the 1700s or 1800s. It also depends what kind of pieces you're playing. If you're playing songs, um, particularly um, like German leader and stuff from the 1800s onwards, uh, French song, English song, um, that's, that's uh, it, it's, it's a very different level almost um because that that really is a duet mm -hmm. between the vocalist and the piano and a, and a lot of the time if you were to analyze the scores which is so fun to do and i, and I do all the time um <laughs> you you do realize like the the kind of intimacy and the connection between what the the voice and the piano is doing is is quite profound in some senses um i find honestly vocal music if done properly is, is some of the most evocative mm. music that there is. Mm -hmm. um, I, I ha it's like so, like I, my brain is literally like, oh my God. <laughs> Cause I just like, I think of classical music and like the classical like choir music and stuff like that, that we like did in like middle school and high school choir. And I'm always, it, it just like, doesn't, I just, I just want to like impress on people that it's just so um, cool that, both of you have this knowledge and this knowledge base of music that is this deep 
and um, like I. I could like read notes, but they often overwhelm me. So I think, so to know that you guys can like actually look at the intricacies of that really is like mind blowing to me. It's like, well, I mean, here's the thing: is that actually generally I I don't do that. Um, <laughs> and, 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 like most of the time, I kind of chatting out my butthole, um, and so I'm kind of I'm kind of on edge here because I'm like, oh wow, am I still talking? I'm not used to. <laughs> it's, it's not normal that I'm talking for this long about stuff. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so, I, I mean, there's there's so many kind of it's 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 a very broad, uh-huh, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's so broad. And there's so much you can say. So I'm conscious. I I'm trying not to to get off into loads of different tangents <clears throat> with the same questions. So, <clears throat> but but yeah, it's it's all a good laugh in it. <laughs> so this is another bad transition. But talking about performance, um, <laughs> do you have any <laughs> do you have any pre-performance rituals? Absolutely none. Uh, I probably get pizza wow. the night before, um, but that's just normal. It's <laughs> another, uh, another day up, in the life. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? I have two salami diavolo pizza. Can I have two salami diavolos, please? And if they don't have the chicken arrabbiata's, fine. Um, whatever's on offer. Uh, yeah, no, in terms of rituals, I've never really done anything apart from generally not sleep, which isn't by mm. choice. <laughs> actually um i don't know it's again if we actually to, to kind of look at this there's there's an awful lot that i can kind of that i can kind of link back to and why that is um my my first teacher really was she was just a, a, t- a teacher in my primary school um and she happened to play for some local choirs she wasn't you know she took me up to grade eight but she wasn't a, a big name kind of anywhere really um i think it was probably quite lucky that i, that I got that far but because of that, she wasn't very strict. She wasn't like the kind of Russian standard mm. teachers where it's my way or the highway. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> before mm-hmm. I get shot at Mafia now. Uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but I think that that really helped because it meant that even though she kind of wasn't pushing me, mm-hmm. my development was based on what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And she let that continue along the path that it did. So if it wasn't for me, I would have fallen off the track. Um, the fact that I'm still here, I think, is probably in part because she was lean enough to let me do what I wanted to do mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and kind of didn't didn't brush it aside. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, I'm, I'm kind of, I realize I'm going off on a tangent, but I think that that kind of links into I'm not I wouldn't consider myself a professional performer um, i wouldn't consider myself particularly refined as a performer as well like there's plenty of pianists here and in, in conservatoires where they're going off the winning competitions and stuff they have these methods um and these maybe rituals but less so rituals but preparation mm-hmm. uh, and how they do stuff and they've had that kind of fine-tuned for most of their life and performance whereas i've never really had that i've just kind of been left to my own devices to, to figure out what i need to do um and as a result of that no i don't really have any um kind of rituals or, or anything beforehand i just kind of do you know i just I just waltz along to be honest that's crazy um, do what i feel yeah well i i, I mean the thing is to, to, to me it's just it's normal it doesn't seem crazy mm-hmm. at all but uh, mm-hmm. it'd be interesting to kind of talk to other musicians and see what they do I, I think we all get nerves beforehand but um no i don't have anything profoundly kind of cultish i mean ritualistic i mean rebecca do you do anything before performance or like do you have a no no <laughs> no no I'm trying to think I no I used to get so nervous like I would I, I mean would... yeah 
but the nerve like nerves but yeah. they're good nerves mm-hmm. even if you're nervous mm-hmm. it gives you the the adrenaline to kind of like push through the performance mm-hmm. like even even when I'm conducting I don't even I'm, I'm more so nervous before it than actually when you're doing it you know mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. The thing, yeah. which I'm sure you obviously you can relate to like not feeling nerves during the performance I don't know whether or not you count because Rebecca will know and to be honest anyone who knows me will know that I um uh, I, I basically play anything that's solid that isn't a piano as well. So mm-hmm. you can catch me reading my books and playing my legs, mm-hmm. playing my chest, playing most of the tables at the cafe. Um, and if you want to consider that a ritual, I, I guess so. But to be honest, that's that's kind of my way of practicing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, that is I something unique that. to you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, say. like you know, the, you know the meme of the old guy on the bus reading the score and that yeah. blew up. I'm actually a bit pissed off about that. Because uh, <laughs> I'm fairly sure I started that. <laughs> Everyone's laughing at that, and I'm just saying, like, oh, ow. <laughs> Excuse me. You sure it wasn't you? <laughs> well, unless I'd had a three-quarter life crisis, <laughs> I didn't realise it. <laughs> I mean, you are middle-aged, so you never know. <laughs> um, you my receding hairline, mate. <laughs> this is a friendly podcast. <laughs> um yeah okay what a segue right next (laughs) (laughs) Next. i'm gonna be editing this i'm gonna be like there are no smooth transitions in this episode at all are you saying my forehead i don't believe it it never ends the whole world so far you said you're lazy and (laughs) you don't analyze the music and now you have no no rituals this is great it is a miracle like (laughs) it is because you have done some you've yeah like incredible things i've incredible achievements under your belt yeah yeah seriously like your 24 hour recital more so 26 hour yes that that little thing yes yes good times Um, so can you tell us more about that and well what, what do you want to know how you prepared for that um what oh, you why does the idea even come from <laughs> like, as someone oh. who is not a musician I'm like I can't imagine <laughs> doing anything straight through for 24 hours you know <laughs> that's pretty much what everyone said um yeah it, no it was it was an interesting one actually um I mean I I guess it kind of originated properly I mean, it was always kind of a thought that I'd had. Uh, like, like, I thought if, if ever I needed to do something for charity, mm. for instance, or if any, you know, if anything ever came up like that, I had no idea why. It was all just purely hypothetical. I thought, okay, well, what sort of thing could I do? Like, it'd probably be something to do with piano because, you know, that's the main thing I do. Um, and I could probably make something work with that. So the kind of the, the idea had, had been floating about previously, but, you know, never came to fruition for obvious mm-hmm. reasons. Um, it... It came back last year because obviously when lockdown came about, everyone had left halls. Yeah. Um, there were very few people about, but I chose to stay because I knew for a fact that I'd be able to practice better um, mm-hmm. in halls. And if I were to go back home, I just wouldn't be able to do yeah. it. When any of the things that I ended up doing over the course of these kind of 15 months, if I'd gone back home. Um, so one of the things I wanted to do was because everything in college had been cancelled uh, and again, the social life just completely died. I had bag loads of time. Uh, and I also had bag loads of books just hanging about upstairs. I've still got was I brought everything that I had at home with me, even though obviously didn't 
anticipate playing a lot of it <clears throat> foolishly. <laughs> so over the course of the first few weeks, it would literally be the case where I'd wake up, I'd go downstairs, I'd take a handful of my books down, just kind of play through them. Um, just, just for my own sake, just to keep me busy more than anything else. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the things I also wanted to do was um, do like little live stream concerts um, with some of this material that mm -hmm. I'd be playing. You know, I'd, I'd play for maybe a week and then I wanted to, at the end of each week, do a little live stream of just a few of the things I've been doing, um, cast it over Facebook Live. Um, the reason that didn't take off is quite ironic, actually, is because I wanted to get some good kit to do it with. So I wanted to get some microphones that would work quite nicely with my phone and my laptop so that the sound quality would have been acceptable or at least more kind of listenable to. But everything at Chatham College, I couldn't borrow anything. Mm. Um, it was quite difficult to buy stuff as well and to know what to buy. So in the end, I just kind of let it, let it slide. Um, I was also incredibly strapped for cash uh, and kind of everyone knew this as well. So once I realized that the, the kind of weekly idea was daft, um, I was talking to one of my old mates from undergrads. Um, I was talking to him about my money problems and stuff like that. And he actually said, why don't you do a 24 hour recital? Oh. And I said, have you been reading my mind, mate? Because I was, actually, <laughs> I was kind of thinking about, because I knew that I had that amount of rep because I'd been timing everything as well. So oh, sure. in the first week of lockdown, I'd, I'd got through like maybe 30 hours of music. So I knew oh that I God. had the material. Yeah. Um, so it was really just a case of, okay, like physically, would that be possible? Yeah, yeah. So, so really, the, the original idea just kind of came as a result of curing my boredom, <laughs> really. Um, it was a nice outlet to actually be able to perform for one thing, but also perform way more stuff than I would be able to otherwise. Mm -hmm. And it was also, um, yeah, also a great way to, you know, tie in and help me raise funds for the following year, which I was kind of really having problems with. Mm. Um, and I thought, yeah, it'd be quite a nice way to do it. Um, with, with crowdfunding, and I, I've said this on the page as well, uh, the, the GoFundMe page, like I'm, I'm not against crowdfunding by any means, but for me personally, I thought like I'd have to actually do something pretty substantial. I was asking for five, 5,000 mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I thought like, I, I feel like I have to give something back in order to be asking for that much. Cause mm -hmm. otherwise it just wouldn't sat well with me. And I also thought like I could just do 12 hours. Like that would be fine as well. But then I also thought, I think if most people were to commit like properly to doing something, then most people would do that. Whereas I knew that most people wouldn't be a stupid enough or, just be be physically able to do it but i i was pretty certain that i could so i thought well why not <clears throat> again inc incredibly humble i know <laughs> no i mean it's still it's like pretty insane and you were certainly didn't play very you know like easy pieces like we looked at the set list and it was i was just yeah again i'm not a big music person but it, it looked i definitely would have been intimidated like overwhelmed if i had looked at the sheet music i know that <laughs> mm. Mm. Yeah, it's, you know, it's interesting. I, I just didn't really have it. I, I just thought it was, it was a really nice outlet, to be honest. How did you to, to be able prepare to for it? Did you did you at all, like, do, you know, did, did you just, I mean, was that the first time you just sat down and just did it for 24 hours? I mean, obviously, you're very trained and you've been playing yes. piano for a long time. Um, What's the longest yeah, you had well, played up until that point? Longest I'd played, I, I did a practice run of about 20 hours okay. in October. So, oh. so that actually was the, the first time I'd done it. 
Wow. So I was I was kind of pooping my pants beforehand. I, I walked into halls. I remember I just I can't do this. Like, what am I doing? <laughs> like, <laughs> this is stupid. Um, but again, I think I can kind of link this back to my my first teacher mm. um, and kind of not having any um, restrictions imposed on me. I feel like if I went to you know uh, Purcell or, or Cheatham's or mm-hmm. whatever all the kind of music schools are where you know life is music basically mm-hmm. and I, again if I had a really strict teacher I mean no no teacher is going to tell you that that's a good idea mm-hmm. and I didn't do it because it was a smart idea I just did it because I thought you know this is something that I think I can do and something that people will probably be interested in but and my teacher was fine with it but I don't think anyone would come up with the idea and, and put it on you um, and so as a result of that I was kind of left to figure out my own limitations um, and as of yet, I, you know, I, I, I don't know if I've reached the, the kind of upper echelons yet. Um, and I didn't perceive it as, you know, is this too much? I just thought this is something that I can go for. If I can get it, great. And so I, I'd, always, I'd always been able to do many hours of practice beforehand um, in, in years up and coming uh, and kind of not really lose any physical grit or mental mm-hmm. grit to be honest and I think that's just something that kind of comes through exposure and the and repetition and the more times you do it obviously mm-hmm. when lockdown came along again no one's about I was mm-hmm. literally spending eight hours a day eight ten hours a day downstairs just chugging through stuff oh straight yeah. wouldn't have any problems I mean it's a miracle that I don't have RSI or mm-hmm. you know anything like that I'm incredibly lucky in, in some respects but uh but that's what I was doing and I lost a hell of a load of weight doing that <laughs> <laughs> shame my arms don't look like the Hulk but you know you can't have everything <laughs> um, so so yeah I mean after months of you know just doing 10 hours 10 hours straight I mean it's not it's not 24 but then it's not practical to be doing 24 hour runs every two days yeah, no, so. No. <laughs> so it was kind of it was kind of on the off chance and you know I was I was giving it a punt there was there was always a chance that I wouldn't have been able to pull it off but you know for, for whatever reason it did so I'm, I'm very <clears throat> I'm very chuffed. <laughs> yeah, definitely such a huge accomplishment. Um, you keep bringing up your first teacher, which I think is yeah. really important because a lot of students who go to these schools at a young age mm-hmm. and to go to conservatory for undergrad, there's nothing against it. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it, but there is so much burnout at a young age and young classical musicians yeah um so what are your thoughts on that obviously I think your teacher had a big influence on that and you know letting you be able to discover your own limitations but curious to know your thoughts on the pressure and burnout rates of young musicians burnout so yeah the quarter mile drag race now (laughs) (laughs) i i I saw myself like losing track of that sentence the more i spoke uh, it's very familiar territory for me as well mate (laughs) chugging along gasping out so everyone Um, knows here's an example of burnout culture and the negative effects (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'm burning i'm burning out zooming off um (laughs) So yeah, no, it's it's interesting you say that because I was literally talking about this exact thing like last night with my, mm. my kitchen mate. Yeah, and he was kind of saying that because he he went through um, a menuing school, mm-hmm. um, and he said for the first kind of few years with his first teacher, 
most of the time he was fighting with her about like she she changed his technique he said in the mm-hmm. first year she needed but after that it was very much a kind of well you know, it was opposing forces basically mm-hmm. and i think it's 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 partially down to the individual um but but certainly yeah, the teacher plays a role um and i think at the age that most kids end up going to these schools generally very young you're not really in a position where you can stand up to your teacher and say well either you're wrong or you know i, I don't want that etc 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 it's just kind of given to you as well again like my way or the highway to be honest mm-hmm. um and some people kind of engage with that quite well mm-hmm. i feel like more people don't particularly in this country i mean you know you have the russian schools obviously um where that that's very much the way forwards and you know they're very technically immaculate and, and stuff like this and they have all their kind of beatings and methods uh, <laughs> um to 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 enforce that kind of and ensure that kind of quality comes out but we don't really have that here um and you can kind of see that in the you know I mean, there, there really aren't that many Brits here. Um, I always say, like, I'm the only Masters two British pianist in college at the moment. Um, and I think, I think it's kind of, it, it makes sense as to why that is, because we don't have that discipline, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it really goes to show that those people who aren't in that environment where they're kind of being made to do stuff intensively they have something else which is just as valuable that they can bring to college and that enables them to be there. Um, I think the, I mean, the only reason I'm here, I think is because I've had a passion which transcends what I've been taught. Um, yeah. And that has, you know, enabled me mm-hmm. to, to flourish and keep up the interest without it being forced upon me. Mm-hmm. And I think those actually are where you find the, the best musicians, depending on how you consider you know all all sorts of things but i can think of at least a handful of people who have been in my boat they haven't gone to any music schools um they found their way here they found their way to other conservatoires and actually they're some of the best musicians i know Mm. so yeah I, i like what you have to say about how um the role of say a mentor or a teacher plays but also how um you can you can every artist who continues it and does it with their life there's like that passion that we are drawn towards or we continue with nonstop outside of all of the sort of limitations or the boundaries that are set before us, if that makes sense. Like if you want to be a painter and you go to painting school and you learn a certain way to paint, but then after that, and maybe that doesn't sit with you, but you still continue to paint regardless. I don't know. That's maybe a bad example, but you know what I mean? I think that that's a very important little like note to mention that you don't have to go to, um, a specialized school or education but you can still be a master at the end of your life or early on in your life or whatever <laughs> yeah i think that that's a good point to it's, it's easy to think particularly in in this day and age when, when in, you know technology is so good and society is so mm-hmm. good uh, in so many different ways but you look back in history and you see actually this, this happens all over the place where people have uh, you know rows with their teachers and stuff like this i mean breakaway art movements art's great for this all the breakaway movements are, uh you know, it's because people disagree with someone else. I mean, even List. I mean, List went to to Cherney for lessons, and Cherney said that he's, his technique wasn't good enough. I mean, look at him mm-hmm. now. He's everyone well, views him as one of the greatest pianists of, of all time, and in many different respects, technique just being one. Um, but there's there's always these kind of interesting things going on um, 
it's it's never as simple as it seems and, mm -hmm. and i'm kind of guilty of that as well like if, if something goes wrong i think oh well that's <clears throat> you know that's a shame but you've got to deal with it but um there's a lot of um there's a lot of opportunity to um you know go away from the norm i suppose yeah obviously at the level that you're at uh sight reading is natural i would assume and i would assume you're quite well, good at ha. it <laughs> oh okay so that's um that oh mate sight reading is is my kind of uh well i don't want to say hot topic because that suggests that i know a lot about it but sight reading is definitely one of the things i'm most passionate about and is one of my greatest assets and it's one of the reasons that i do so much um accompaniment as well mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's because I, I literally and this is exactly what i wanted in joining the college i'm someone who you can literally go to the night before or say can you play this for me tomorrow and i will sight read any old shite oh my god I, uh, yeah. and most of the time i'll have no problem with it and i'll do it quite willingly and there mm -hmm. aren't many people who can yeah. do that let, Again, let alone are willing so I get, that's kind of my niche i see three notes <clears> on top of each other and i'm already like no i'm overwhelmed <laughs> <laughs> you know but it's um no it's 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 actually a it's it's a very kind of rare skill mm -hmm. I, i'm talking about pianists really I, I think it's it's probably different in orchestral because you know if you end up going to do orchestral stuff then you you might you might get trained as a, as a string player a brass player a wind player so i can't really speak on behalf of those guys i was never formally taught sight reading and to be honest i don't really think there's an awful lot you can teach there's methods that you can teach um mm -hmm. to help your sight reading but i think lots of it is natural mm -hmm. um and but but most of it i think at least in my case was again not having any limits put on you mm -hmm. i'd take ridiculous stuff to my teacher my first teacher when i was way too young mm -hmm. way too stupid to mm -hmm. be playing that sort of stuff <laughs> and she would duly listen to it and have yeah. no problems with it talk about it for a little bit afterwards then we'd crack on and do what we needed to do in that lesson um so that was always something that I had and was interested in, just, mm -hmm. just playing loads of random stuff, which is way too hard for me, mm -hmm. but that I found interesting nonetheless. And again, I've kept that up mm -hmm. for as, as, you know, as long as I've been playing, 16 years now. Wow, yeah, uh, yeah. I don't, uh, like we have courses here, and you can probably get courses all over the place in conservatoires where they teach sight reading. Mm -hmm. I, I don't understand how you can, I, <laughs> I just don't understand kind of flat out how you can teach that. Um, because it's it's such a gradual process mm, mm -hmm, but it mm -hmm. is and and the weird thing is as well is that i've seen a book written by someone who does the course here and i've done some of the exercises that he uses to teach them i look at these exercises and i think these are stupidly hard i can't do this <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but you can slap anything down in front of me and i'll and i'll read it fine so well, i think it I think also depends on how a piece is written like a lot of contemporary pieces I don't think are very idiomatic for the piano anymore. Oh, mate, don't even get me started. Oh, um, <laughs> but I think, but I think when you know a style of when, when you are so immersed in that era of music, it's, it's, I think it's easy to latch on. I'm not saying anyone can do it, but I think <laughs> what you're saying. Is That's an element. I mean, fundamentally, like think about, you know, when you were young enough to start learning how to read, how did you learn how to read? A book at a time. Start off slowly. Mm -hmm. You'd keep you'd keep reading. That's the most important thing. You'd keep reading. Then you gradually, you know, start reading more complicated books. And I was always a, a pretty good reader as well when I was younger. Maybe there's a link there. I, I don't know. Um, but it's just continued, repeated exposure to new material. Mm -hmm. um, I find a lot of 
reading the score like I don't most of the time if I'm reading something even something new I don't even really have to think about it okay. I'll just see it and it will make sense and I'll be able to translate it onto the keyboard wow, without even yeah. really having to look at the keyboard That's and I, I think a lot of it is patterns a lot okay. of it is patterns it's stuff mm-hmm. that you will have seen in pieces you've played before configurations mm-hmm. particularly in the left hand Mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. Just like, okay well i've played that before that sounds a little bit like that that goes a bit like that and you know what it feels like in the hands as well mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. and people laugh when i'm playing tables and stuff but actually that's really useful as well <laughs> <laughs> i remember one of my mates he, he confessed to me actually he said he saw me very early on at college doing that and he thought what an ass <laughs> what, <laughs> what a pretentious twat <laughs> And then, but when I like when I'm doing it, I'm playing the table. But in my hands, what I'm doing with my hands is I'm actually feeling like I can feel mm-hmm. an octave. Mm-hmm. Feel when something goes wrong. So yeah. even if I'm playing a yeah, chair, yeah. I'll yeah. still be able to tell if something goes wrong. I mean, it sounds crazy. Um, no, but no, it doesn't. I, I don't know. It's something I've been. No, I think it's that's, just something I've always done. I think I it's such a it's such an invaluable skill, and yeah. I think you're right. Oh, it is rare, it, rare, and it's it's you're not just an incredible sight reader but you're also you're able to if you're accompanying someone sight not only sight read that music but also work with that musician at a capacity that you know someone else might be might be listening and be like oh you must have been working together for like a few sessions at least but you're able to kind of just jump in and it's like you're breathing with the musician and it's very impressive it it's so it's like insane i mean i don't know i hope that my like voice can help others that are not classically trained musicians and that appreciate music even just a little bit to understand that how insanely difficult or like at what level it is that you're actually operating because when you're such an expert you make it look easy you know it's it is like breathing like Rebecca said earlier and and but it it's a lot of work to like get there and and a lot of years of just understanding and doing that so if you're not necessarily thinking about the notes then what are you thinking about during a performance um, or when you're playing, especially for the long probably time. Probably Nando's. Um, <laughs> that's a big one. Um, no, it's 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 hard to... Well, I couldn't tell you exactly because mm. lots of it's very in the moment. And I think when the adrenaline's going through as well, like it's, mm. it's very difficult, mm. even after the performance, to think about what exactly we're thinking about. I think a lot of it for me has certainly been the notes okay, for, for obvious yeah. reasons. Yeah, um, yeah. It's not like... Um, because pianists always have to um, perform, you know, off book, yeah, at least yeah, in yeah. institutions as well. It's not yeah. completely necessary these wow. days in, in actual concerts, but the RCM wants us to learn stuff off book. And and the program I'd had most recently was it was pretty fresh. I mean, I'd learned it all in like four months. Yeah. So there was definitely an element of risk there. So when mm-hmm. I was when I was playing, you know, lots of it's kind of on the notes, but I don't know. I, I often find and I think most people will find this in a practice room environment, you'll be playing stuff and your mind will wander to, mm. you know, all sorts of different realms. Mm-hmm. You'll end up thinking about crayons and then come <laughs> back to reality and you're halfway through the piece and actually it sounded pretty damn good. <laughs> and you think, oh, well, I'm just going to think about Crayolas the next time I'm playing. Yeah, I don't think you Crayola. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, but obviously it never works like that. Um, right, right. Do you ever, I don't know. I mean, did, did, did you have kind of a, a, an idea in mind when you asked the question? Like, well, I think, is there anything that you're expecting I might say? No, no. I just, <laughs> no. like I said, I can't imagine doing anything for 24 hours straight. And I mean, you know, I've, oh, yeah. <laughs> I've done, I've done editing and stuff like 
for, for films and for animations and that's pretty mm. mindless when you get into like the little technical parts that you're doing but i think i just like play, listen to music but when you're playing the music i guess you're listening to the music Ooh, so i guess the but when you are interpreting a piece of music are you ever thinking about i mean when applicable like the context that the composer wrote it in or you know with programmatic music the narrative or the story behind it you know especially the rom- the romantic era is so programmatic what does programmatic so, like, mean for people like me that don't know <laughs> what that means oh, oh, oh. Uh, well, Rebecca, you can take that one <laughs> thank you <laughs> I, guess, I guess i need to leave now i guess i'm off of my own um, there are these t- during the romantic era and this is like me going back like a few years back to undergrad but um well, hang on, the romantic ideas. era was a little bit before then i think <laughs> <laughs> so maybe i'll leave <laughs> <laughs> no you can edit that one out as well <laughs> maybe you want to tell us about i'm gonna keep that in <laughs> um i'm actually very old um <laughs> rebecca's so been alive t- since the romantic era <laughs> so these two ideas of music that emerged absolute music and programmatic music and programmatic music um was very much inspired by other facets of art of literature of stories it was based on the narrative um mm-hmm. when you're when you're playing music i think um and i teach uh, i teach this to the kids who i teach at school like it's important not just to to, to play the notes but also to well, well not just to play notes but to play music um, mm-hmm. like the notes are the notes are the words in the story, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. the music and how you play it is all the intonations which make the story come to life. Oh, I love um, that. And you okay, can do yeah. that with any piece of music. Yeah. Um, but programmatic music is music that's actually been explicitly tied to, as Rebecca says, another work of art, be it a painting, a story oh, or whatever. Right, and right. certainly that sort of stuff came to fruition in the Romantic Age and, and beyond mm. that as well, when there was a you know, big kind of cultural boom and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. The musical possibilities expanded as well. Um, so uh, again, I, I don't really think there's there's an awful lot uh, to to say beyond what I said in, in the first case. Like, what am I thinking about when I'm when I'm playing the music? Um, I think I, I'm very lucky that I'm I'm very kind of musically minded, and so I can kind of play anything, like even at sight, and have an idea of the style in which it was written, and I can grasp that quite quickly as well. So even though, you know, there's always plenty of things to work on, the, the, the general essence of mm-hmm. the piece that I'm looking at is 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 there mm-hmm, mm-hmm, at the most kind of fundamental level. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I don't I don't really if you're asking like if I if I tie certain parts of the music to a particular idea or I have like a storyboard going in my head. Not really. Not really. Um You live in the moment. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, a bit of both. Um, mm-hmm. Again, I was talking um, the same conversation I was talking about last night with my mate. Um, he kind of started it off with this, and he was saying, um, in terms of performance, um, how do I kind of summarize it? Because this is a big topic as well that I like to talk about. So I don't want to, I don't want to just kind of throw up everywhere. Um, but yeah. I, I suppose one way of looking at it is in terms of music competitions. When you go into music competitions, it's very much the way they look at it is what's on the score. I see. Uh, and yeah, they'll yeah. be judging you based on the score. Mm-hmm. Um, and fundamentally, we were both against that. Because, for, well, firstly, if you're doing that, then what are you expecting? You're having 50, 60 entrants. What are you expecting? That they're all going to be playing something exactly the same and you'll have yeah. 60 identical recordings. Uh-huh. Um, 
that's that's not to say that you can completely disregard what's on the score, not at all. But if you look back in history, um, particularly in the early 20th century, mid 20th century, um, and isolate any of the great performers from any instrument, to be honest, um, I just happen to know more pianists. I wonder why that is. Um, but if you listen to recordings they've done and they've made, if you put that in a current day competition environment, they wouldn't get through. They'd be mm. out in the first round. So mm. why do these guys have a legacy which prevails? Mm. Um, and that's kind of the essence of what you're asking, mm -hmm. I think. Um, mm -hmm. At what point do you... Uh, what point does it stop being exactly what the composer wants and at what point can you put in your own little creative flair? Yeah, and it's yeah, something yeah. That I think you're always going to be grappling with. Mm -hmm. um, but I think there's certainly... There's something, certainly something to be said, again, more so in the romantic age and kind of beyond, um, where all these kind of emotions, like everything was a lot more emotive, uh, romantic by nature. But but to add your own creative flair, like I always say, uh, there's there's a piece called the Dante Sonata, Liszt wrote it, um, and it's a favourite for everyone. Um, I've, I've heard it played here maybe six, seven times. To be honest, I've been bored by every single one of them because it all sounds so refined and tempered and mediated it's like it's like preparing a mozart or a haydn sonata yeah, or something yeah, yeah, everything yeah. is very fine and exact the essence of particularly that piece is about dante for god's sake um, <laughs> you know, burning, burning rings of hell it's not supposed to be tempered it's not supposed to be kind of gentle and well measured it's supposed to have some vivacity mm -hmm. um maybe not improvisation per se but certainly those those kind of fiery spontaneous outbursts none of the recordings that i have heard here have done that mm. um i mean you might say i'm chatting to chai um by coincidence i actually played the dante sonata on the 24-hour mark of the recital back in january mm -hmm. and the fire alarm goes off it's great yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a sign so, yeah, was it like monday at two o'clock coincidence yeah it was yeah <laughs> and i completely forgot about it when I, when i was thinking about it but yeah I, i'm midway through the dante sonata um and I mean, you know, feel free to, to have a listen. It might be that you completely disagree with what I'm saying or that you're listening to what I'm saying and actually you think I'm guilty of the same crime. But um, I think particularly in this day and age where you have so many pianists and musicians almost being factory generated by mm. conservatoires, um, like almost on an assemb assembly line in a way, the way that you stand out is by doing something different mm. in a way that people in decades past also did. And I don't really think that's being taught here. But again, I don't know if it's something that you can necessarily teach. I mean, you can't go and say someone, oh, yeah, we'll do this in the school, but also don't do that. <laughs> Not. Yeah. Well, if you think, it's, think it's about never it, then, yeah. You can teach. <clears throat> you've, you've just got to kind of have that, yeah. I suppose. It's, it's a very interesting um, and, and quite nebulous topic, to be honest. There's no right or wrong, but I think... Um, Back to the, yeah. the the core point, I think there's there's certainly something to be said about that kind of improvisatory or the spon spontaneousness, spontaneity. Sorry. Yeah, I'm it makes me so. wonder if you can actually teach that. You know, if that's like the fault of institutions <clears throat> as a whole, but they're always going to be in this trap of needing to have to rely on a structure in order to teach. You could say like a skill level, but then eventually going to lead to disagreements and then break away and then we have like different pockets mm. of expression but would we be there without these kind of in-place structures as they currently are 
you know, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's, it's almost like a snake that eats itself kind of discussion, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, um, I mean, if you think of it like jazz piano, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. jazz soloists, for instance, um, not saying they're exactly the same, but there's definitely elements um, which you can tie in. I wouldn't, wouldn't consider myself a jazz pianist by any means. Like I, I can read a chord chart. My theory is pretty good, but I can't improvise in, you know, some of the great jazz piano recordings. Yeah. I, I couldn't do anything like that. Yeah. Um, and people always say about that as well. That's something you just have. Like, it's not like those guys have kind of taught how to do exactly what they just did. They have the grounding, but it comes from within them. <clears throat> and I think it's it's the same for classical music, except you have obviously far more constricted boundaries because you have to adhere to what the music wants. But there's that element of stylistic awareness that enables you to do something yeah, yeah. which even though it might not be necessarily what's scored still works quite well i think a, a good example is this dude called Schiffer, georgie Schiffer, and um i've got one of his scores here actually it's absolutely filthy it's his transcription of the flight of the bumblebee <clears throat> i'd have a listen to it on youtube it kicks ass <clears throat> but he also was a he was he was also a pianist in the 20th century very well known for doing lots of uh, list transcriptions all the kind of chunky textual stuff, super hyper virtuosic stuff. Um, and he'd do them, A, with no problem, but he'd also improvise an awful lot in, in the kind of style that, I, that, that we're talking about now. Um, if you were to listen to his complete Hungarian rhapsodies by list, there's about kind of 18, 19 of them. Um, and you'll hear that what he does, particularly in the more cadenza-like sections, it's like, it's, it's insane. Yeah, yeah. but not at all against the style mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. he was a good improviser anyway but yeah it's just just an example of how you know how you can apply that to <clears throat> a, a different grounding so interesting <laughs> it's so interesting i can't believe it's already well, been an hour also, i, I, I feel like surprised so much... myself as well to be honest like first mm-hmm. i don't know how i'm still talking but also <laughs> it, I, and, until you start talking about it you don't realize how much there is that you can actually you know how many strands and different branches you can end off veering into so yeah most of the things i say in, in kind of general as well is that it's not actually grounded on an awful lot of literature per se or um you know studies or anything like that rebecca can attest to this it kind of all, all feels to be honest a lot of it is just like common sense mm-hmm. or you know I, I think about it and this is what appears to me i don't think there's any right or wrong in most mm-hmm. of this stuff um but certainly most of what i'm saying is is very personal mm-hmm. um it's it's not grounded on any like institutional academia mm-hmm. um so so to me to me it makes sense you know you could ask someone else exactly the same questions they could completely say uh, well complete other end of the spectrum they, mm-hmm. they they might respond with something completely different um so not, again not to say that it's right or wrong but uh yeah it's it's an insight as you say yeah which is yeah. yeah, and I think there is such a, an expectation, especially in our field of, our, of music, that there's only one way to approach these careers and one way to become a performer, one way to become a film composer. And my past two years here and having met people from all different types of backgrounds mm-hmm. who have different strengths and weaknesses is there. there is not just one way of, of doing this. And... I think um, people will walk away from this episode with your insight. And I think that really applies. So 
<clears throat> but I think a lot, uh, I mean, the crazy thing about art is, and particularly in the society we're in at the moment, is that we're kind of taking more and more, more and more steps to putting limits on something which in effect is limitless. Yeah. And I guess you can't say that art is limitless because, you know, well, actually it's quite interesting. Does it end somewhere? Need it end somewhere? I don't know if you heard <laughs> recently. Um, yeah, here, here we go. Let me, yeah. let me grab another The music bit. stops, but it never ends. <laughs> yeah, maybe someone should go bomb. grab a snack. We're going to be here. <laughs> we'll be here for another hour. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but... But, but not even music, just, just art in general. Um, yeah. Someone sent me a, a link the other day. Some, some Italian guy, I think, might be mm. Spanish, some continental European guy, literally sold <laughs> sculpture recently, uh, which was nothing. He sold nothing on a table for 15,000 euros. Wasn't there something like this? There was like a painting that had nothing on it or something? Or like... It's like a yeah. dot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exa- yeah. Exactly, it's... Yeah. it's- well, that is more about that. I think is more about commodity and fooling the rich and the interplay between the rich who are the patrons of the arts and the artists themselves <laughs> being cocky about it, you know, being little shits about it. But like, also, you can, so you might as well game the system, right? I mean, that could be part of the discussion. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it comes down to like, what what is art? Like, what is music? <laughs> well, it's become yeah, it's that that, that, will last that question has become so such a prevalent topic of conversation, like this past century, because for years all art was made for was for patronage for these for the church for you know you know and now art is being created for art well but also for yourself maybe but also like what is for yourself with the internet yes (laughs) yeah exactly um i mean memes are art yeah that's another thing that Ali is very versed, very well versed in is, is memes. Meme memes culture. are great. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> What's your favorite meme <laughs> pertaining to oh, oh. to maybe help you whittle it down pertaining to music or pertaining to piano? Well, I made plenty plenty of memes. I mean, it was segue- we're segueing quite nicely into many different topics of, of which we have zero time. Thank you for sharing oh, your insights better. and your yep. your um, processes and and just informing us about uh, no I shouldn't put it that way just talking about your experiences as a musician and as a pianist thanks for chatting shit to us for an hour I mean you're more than welcome thank you very much (laughs) um I could definitely chat it for for much longer as as I'm sure you've ascertained but um I appreciate you've got lives to live so if you could just sign off say your name what you do where we can find you on social media that'd be Mm -mm. fantastic so, uh, yeah, this is Ollie Cutrus signing off. Uh, over. Uh, so this is, <clears throat> well, I mean, what, what do you want? I've got, I've got YouTube, I've got Facebook, Instagram, generally OC Piano, OC.Piano, Instagram. Um, if, you type, if you type that in on Facebook or YouTube, you, you'll probably find something. Um, I think it would probably if you type it in on YouTube, because I think there were two OC Pianos, but I think the, the, the original one's been knocked off because of the... Uh, the Mariah Carey thing. Oh, <laughs> so <now cool>. <laughs> yeah. So, um, which is incredible. Yeah, That's uh, insane. Yeah. Thank you very much. That was another product of 5 a.m. showers within lockdown. Mm. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so it's got, I mean, there's, there's not an awful lot on there, to be honest. Um, Facebook, Instagram, just, you know, odds and ends. I've been doing YouTube, just odd paraphrases, mashups, all of my kind of lockdown material, a uh, few performances as well. Um, I'll probably be putting up my recitals fairly soon, including my final recital, which I had last week okay. uh, in due course. But I'm hoping to live stream that as well, actually, through my Facebook page. So, 
Awesome. In fact, people probably won't have. Uh, this will be out in a month, won't it? So, so it'll be too late by that point. But, but anyway, it'll probably be hanging about there anyway. Great, so, awesome. Fc dot piano, <laughs> <laughs> and we'll link it. Sure to, we'll below. link it in our description. Yeah. 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 Thank you very much for having me on. As I say, nice to meet you, Cara. Yeah, nice, nice to see you, Rebecca. Thank you, Ollie. Thank you for coming on our show. Um, if you are interested in checking out more of Ollie's work, you can find it at OC Piano on most places. We'll link OC dot piano. Oh, sorry, OC dot piano, and we'll link it down below in our description. If you would like to check out more about the podcast you can find us at the podcast imperfect on instagram if you are a featured artist and would like to be featured on the show you can send us an email at the podcast imperfect at gmail.com and you can follow me at quiet open space all one word on instagram you can follow me rebecca nisco at rebecca nisco music on instagram or youtube and yeah thank you so much again to ollie for being on the show yeah thank you so much for listening i hope you're not dying of a heat wave like that Rebecca's going through in the UK. If you're East Coast like me, you're probably freezing your butt off. We hope you have a beautiful day. Yeah. And uh, continue with your good gain. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag good gain. Hashtag good gain.